Let us pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. For you alone are our Lord, our rock, our mighty Redeemer, and it is in your name that we pray. Amen and amen. Like Jill, I enjoyed looking at the sky when I was a child. I would go out to my grandfather's farm where light pollution was not a thing. I didn't realize until many years later that light pollution is a thing and there are places that you can go and you can't really see the sky in the same way I had gotten to know the sky but I was fortunate enough as a child to be able to lie down with some pecan trees uh, up superimposed against the sky and in the winter time it was especially beautiful to look out and see the constellations. And Psalm 19 is telling us to look to the sky. Now the more we look to the sky, the more we realize that we are very, very small and this universe that God has created is very, very big. The more we look to the sky and think about the vast distances of time and space that the light we see travels just to reach our eyes, the more we realize what an amazing thing it is that God knows the thoughts of our hearts, that God cares about the prayers that we whisper in our bed, that God cares about what we care about look to the sky and we see that we are small indeed but the sky is testifying to something the sky is speaking without speaking the heavens are telling the glory of God and the firmament proclaims God's handiwork day to day pours forth speech night to night declares knowledge there is no speech there are no words their voice is not heard and yet their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. The sky is speaking, whether we can hear it or not. Now, there are scientists that have set up telescopes and have set up these monitoring stations. There are all sorts of sounds that come from the sky, but we don't hear it. What we hear from the sky is that we're small, that this earth is just a pebble or less than a pebble. It's a grain of sand or a hundredth of a grain of sand. And yet, and yet God has visited it in Jesus of Nazareth. And yet, when we whisper a prayer for someone we love, God hears that prayer. And yet, not a tear streams down your face that God does not know. The heavens are telling the glory of God that God is grand and majestic and yet knows who we are. Now this is a photograph that Jim Jacobus took. You may have seen the double rainbow here this past week. I did not see the one in Danville. I was in Frankfurt, and there was a double rainbow in Frankfurt too. I guess the weather conditions conspired to form them in a couple of different places as the sun was shining. But, but here we have a panoramic view of this double rainbow here. 
look to the sky and you see the rainbow which in biblical understanding is a sign of covenant God says I have hung my bow in the sky the bow is the same as bow and arrow the bow that I would use in war I have now hung in the sky for peace we see the constellations in the sky we see in our wintertime Orion and Gemini Canis Major and, and Minor we see in the summertime Ursa Major, Ursa Minor, Cassiopeia. We see that there is a regularity to the world. We see that God has created this world in such a way that it has a structure. And this structure means that every 365 and a quarter days, the earth has rotated around the sun. This structure means that there is summer and autumn and winter followed by spring. This structure means that our eyes see, our ears hear, our hands feel. This structure means that we can count on the sun rising, on the phases of the moon, that the laws of gravity, that the laws of physics the laws of gravity and the laws of physics hold because God has made the world in such a way that they can be counted on. Uh, there's even in the last 10 years been a, been a new uh, <laughs> there's, there's been a new formula for a, a planet's satellite system and how far planets will be from, from the sun. Now I've, I've taken some Greek letters and anglicized them here, but the distance is equal to L times 2 to the nth power plus K, where L is the distance between the first and second satellite in our system between Mercury and Venus. K is the distance of the first planet from the sun, and N is the number of planets in the series if you start with zero, and not with one. Now, I'm supposed to provide a footnote whenever I give something. I certainly didn't come up with that figure. So here's my footnote. You can, you can look up this scientist's work to see this, this rather new mathematical description of how far each planet is from the sun. There are regular movements of the planets. There are laws that the celestial bodies follow which testify to a structure in creation. Creation is structured. It is structured in such a way that certain laws must in fact be followed. There's an elegance to the cosmos. And those of us who believe in God might well say there's a kind of law that is written into the universe. The kind of law that says if I take my shoe and I throw it up into the air, it's going to hit the ground. And it's going to hit the ground at a certain speed. It's going to hit the ground following a certain set of, of rules. And, and if, if it were to hit the ceiling, we'd know something was wrong. Or that I had thrown it way too hard indoors. Now it's not just it's not just kind of a law or a, a, a it's not a 
not only a logistical kind of set of laws that are followed. I love the way that the Bible offers, uh, in addition to some kind of philosophical musings, uh, the Bible offers metaphorical musings. It talks about the sun running across the sky, and the sun runs across the sky at pretty regular intervals, and you'll see that this is, this is today, and at 1.27 p.m., about 20 minutes before I finish preaching, um, that's, that's going to be the middle of the day. I don't ever preach that long. Our, our, our sun rose at 7.37 in the morning. Tomorrow it's going to rise at 7.38. We're going to lose a minute. It's going to set at 7.16. Tomorrow it's going to set at 7.15. Two minutes we will lose today. And here we are. We can, we can put together this, this beautiful table because God has created a world that is structured, that behaves according to certain principles. But it's not just this structured view that we find in Psalm 19. There's this amazing metaphorical view as well. The beaming bridegroom who bursts out of the tent the morning after his wedding and he says, life is good. The world is a beautiful place. Here I am, glad to be alive again today. And listen, listen to what the psalmist says. In the heavens, God has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom from his wedding canopy, and like a strong man runs his course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and nothing is hidden from its heat. And so we find here in this psalm, juxtaposed, the first part, and the second part, two different kinds of law. We've talked about the kinds of law that just happen. They're built into the universe. They're the laws of physics. They're the laws of chemistry and thermodynamics. These are laws that just happen. These are encoded into creation. But the second kind of law that we find is embraced law. This is the law of God for His people. This is the law that God gives for His people to live according to. And it's described like this. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Gravity is not going to revive your soul. Coming up with, with a calculation that predicts the distance of each planet from the sun is not going to revive your soul. It is God's law. It is the decrees of the Lord that are sure making wise the simple. If you want wisdom, you can have a whole lot of knowledge without having wisdom. But if anyone lacks wisdom, let them ask the Lord who generously provides and the Lord will offer His wisdom. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. We have this reality that God has made the world with a structure and the world has to follow the structure. A tree cannot help 
but be a tree. A stone cannot help but be a stone. But you and I can be people of integrity and character or we can be people who are little more than animals. You and I can live with righteousness and hope or we can go from paycheck to paycheck being hedonistic and following only whatever it is that feels good in the moment. You and I have a law that we are invited to follow but are not forced to follow. You and I may live as God intended for us to live or we may live in ways that are antithetical to the ways that God would have us live. These laws that God has given to us, more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, and sweeter also than honey and drippings from the honeycomb. In his retirement, my dad has taken up beekeeping and he's got all sorts of hives and they're all over the place and some of them have uh, certain flowers that they feed from and others have other kinds of of flowers that they feed from and uh, it's interesting to go and to taste the honey the honey from different kinds of combs this law of the Lord that we are invited to live We are invited to follow. It's better than wealth. It's better than even the pleasures of life. It is better to be a doorkeeper in the house of our Lord than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. It is better to obey than to live a life of disobedience. More to be desired are they than gold. So the planets and the stars and the comets and the meteors, the sun and the moon, they don't have a choice. They have to keep a certain kind of law because that's the structure that God has placed within creation. But we must choose to follow God's will for human nature. And our own choices depend on our knowledge our wisdom, and the choices of those around us. By them, by your laws, your, your, your commandments, your teachings, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. But who can detect their errors? Clear me from hidden faults. We all know that if it were entirely up to us, even if we want more than anything else in all the world to follow the Lord, we know that we hear God's will imperfectly. We have the Spirit and and we are led by the Spirit and the Spirit of God is within us, but I don't know about you, but sometimes it's hard for me to tell whether the Spirit is speaking to me or whether it's just what I want to hear. Sometimes the voice that comes uh, might be the voice of God leading me in some direction or it might be, it might be that I just want something so badly I'll make any excuse to make it seem like it's the right thing. And so we pray that God would keep us from hidden errors, from hidden faults, from not really knowing our own hearts 
God wants us to be fully and wholly His. And so we must entrust ourselves to grace, even as we seek to obey. We also have to recognize that it's not just me, it's the other people around me who make decisions that affect me. If you're driving down the road this afternoon and there's an oncoming vehicle that's more interested in receiving the text message than seeing who's in front of them, it might, it might affect me for some time to come. And I say that as a person who it's cost me $500 in the deductible because I ran into the back of somebody looking at a text message. Don't do that. Fortunately, everybody was okay. But the prayer is also, the prayer is also to, to keep me from those people who are too dumb to, to know what's good and what's right. Keep back your servant from the insolent. Don't let them have dominion over me. Don't let the decisions of other people bring me down. Don't let those who don't know any better cause me pain and wreak havoc on my life then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Now, hear me, dear friends. There is a call in the Bible for inner and outer wholeness. There is a call for us to live a life of, of outward holiness and to have that accompanied by a life of inward holiness. Now, you can have one of those and not the other. You can have the life where everything looks okay, but you are rotten on the inside. And there's so much that's not right that is hidden from the world. And the other side is that you can believe all the right things. You can have the doctrines of Christianity memorized in such a way that they all fit together like a systematic theology, but you can have such a rotten personality that you drive people away from you. Instead of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you drive the people who should be closest to you away from you. You've got it right on the inside, but something on the outside just doesn't work. This psalm offers to us, once again, this idea that there is a call for inner and outer wholeness. And I love the last verse of Psalm 19. You probably recognize it. I use it a lot, but it reminds me that there is this inner and outward holiness. Let the words of my mouth, what, what comes out into the world and the meditations of my heart, that which is inside, let these be acceptable to you. O oh Lord, my rock, my redeemer. It's a great way to begin your prayer. It's a great way to begin a sermon. It's a great way for us to remember that there is this inward wholeness and there's this outward wholeness that God intends for us to have. And, and while there are certain things that just must happen, God has put a structure into creation that goes much further than planet Earth. It goes out as, as far as the Hubble telescope can see and then on and on and on. 
There is a structure to the world. But there's a part of the world that you and I get to participate in. There's a part of the world where we can be obedient or disobedient. Where we can love God or we can be out for ourselves. Where we can be kind to others and love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. Or we can be just as bitter and wicked as anybody else in the world. That's a law that we get to choose whether we embrace or not. That's the moral reality of what God has called His people to. There's a law that simply exists and all the world must follow it. But there's a law that you and I embrace as believers. Believers in the Christ who gave Himself for us. Believers in the one who says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Believers in the one who promises us forgiveness of sins and resurrection from our deadness.